0: welcome to the caleb show this is a show about the bible about renewing and about the mind where every week we discuss how the word of god is sufficient for day-to-day living no matter what is happening in your life you will be challenged to make the bible an essential part of your thinking and living join us now as we investigate the world with the ancient truth of god's word Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Caleb Show, and that's me. I'm Caleb, and I'm coming to you this time from a beautiful field, kind of up on top of a big hill, so you might hear some birds chirping or maybe the wind blowing in the background, but it's a beautiful Saturday morning and we are starting a series now r- roughly or you know closely related to a book i've been reading called seven men who rule the world from the grave so this series and the book is by dave brees and it came out uh, back in the 90s i believe but this series that we'll be doing is going to be based on these seven men who rule the world from the grave so our series is called world rulers uh And it is subtitled, The Power of Ideas, World Rulers, The Power of Ideas. This is part one today. And the reason why we're talking about this is you remember in our previous episode that we talked about testing all thinking and testing all things. And this is vitally important nowadays because the the basis of this book, Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave, and what Dave Brees is saying in this book is that the, the ideas of these seven men have so permeated society that it's almost impossible to blink without bumping in to their ideas and their way of understanding the world of their day and how that has now affected the way we function today as society, particularly in the West. And so when I say West, I mean Europe, I mean America, I mean uh, Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, Canada, these places. Is kind of this sort of Western thinking, although uh, in many ways, as we will see later on with education, it has spread around the world, and it's kind of irrelevant to use the term the West in that sense. So we're going to start with our first individual from this book, and that would be Charles Darwin. Now, Darwin is sort of a household name. Everybody sort of has heard of Darwinism or Darwinianism, uh, and I've been to the National museum the british museum natural history museum in london and i have seen the statue of darwin up on the stairs when you walk into that room the the main entry hall of of the natural history museum in london there's this giant dinosaur there in the middle but beyond it is this marvelous staircase that goes up and at the top of the stairs at the landing is a i think life-size sculpture of darwin and he's sitting there and so they put him in a prized place In their museum, and Darwinian thought that the idea of uh, natural selection of evolution has got such a massive grip on the sciences and in the higher uh, graduate levels of education that you almost can't. It's very difficult even for people who hold to a creationist view or even a um, what's the other one intelligent design view of origins of all things, it's hard for many of them to break away from that because it's so infiltrated everything. The BBC in Europe, the National Geographic Society in America, these things are filled with the ideas of evolution, natural selection, and that. So I don't necessarily want to use this as a time to debunk any of that per se. Uh, Our themes always are is the Bible sufficient what about the mind how do we think these kind of things and about general renewing and so my goal for this series is to provoke your thinking to a way of renewing your mind in these matters and to make your make you aware of how we live in our age today and how these ideas from these seven men still, us. So let me quickly just state who the seven men are, just to give you an introduction. So they are first Darwin. He's the first guy that we'll be looking at. And then there's also, I'm sure you've heard of Karl Marx. He's the founder of communism. You've heard of Sigmund Freud. He's the founder of uh, psychoanalysis. But then we also have Julius Wellhausen, John Dewey, Soren Kierkegaard, and John Maynard Keys. And so each one of them we'll look at in turn as we sort of do an overview and pull out probably the, one of the biggest points from each chapter of the book. So I would highly recommend the book, Seven Men Who Rule the World from the Grave. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on Amazon or someplace like that. I'm not getting any sort of cut from that, so just to let you know, there's no... Um, Affiliate marketing. All I just think it's a good book, and you should read it. So let's begin with Darwin. Now we all know that Darwin went off on his journey in the HMS Beagle, and on that journey he sailed from England and he ended up in the Galapagos Islands. In the Galapagos Islands, he was doing research because he, at the time, they called themselves naturalists. He was sort of a, a he was a biologist, is what he was, and he was studying plants, animals, rocks, things like that. And it's one of the main things that I think many people are probably aware of is his idea of the finches. Darwin's finches and their different size beaks. Uh, He was kind of what sparked his thinking in this idea of evolution. That if if a finch's beak was not a certain way in a certain part of the island to be able to eat what he needed to eat, then he would die. And so the ones that had the bigger beaks or the smaller beaks or whatever it was would survive. And so he ended up coming to this conclusion of natural selection. And then hence the idea of evolution from that. And so that sort of is the foundation of what he believed. And he wrote his diaries, he published his diaries, his journeys on the HMS Beagle, and he also published his book, The Descent of Man. So let me read you a introduction. a a paragraph from the introduction of the 1972 reprinting of his diary. And this is by a chap named Walter Sullivan. He wrote the introduction to Darwin's diary in 1972. And this is what Sullivan says, and this is what I want to try to emphasize in this podcast. Sullivan says, This book, i.e. Darwin's diary, was prelude to what became probably the most revolutionary change that has ever occurred in man's view of himself. Okay, quite a statement to start out with. The change, said Sullivan, in fact, has still not fully run its course. It demands that we regard ourselves as inseparably a part of nature and accept the fact that our descent was from more primitive creatures and ultimately from the common origin of all life on earth. It is the view that we will never fully understand ourselves until we understand our origins and the traits, chemical, biological, and behavioral, that we share with other species. So this is the introduction to Darwin's diaries on his trip to the Galapagos Islands and back to Britain. So this chap here states in the introduction... That we will never fully understand ourselves until we understand the chemical, biological, and behavioral traits that we share with other species. And he says that we are inseparably a part of nature and that we come from more primitive creatures. So that's the emphasis of this man's view on what Darwin discovered on this trip that he took. So, what does it mean that we are now behaviorally part of lower creatures, or lesser creatures, or whatever, or animals, for that in that regard? So, what I want to try to emphasize is this: that evolution, the theory of evolution, is focusing on man and his relationship with nature, and particularly with lower courses of animals, and ultimately all the way down to. Um, single-celled organisms and things like that. Now, there was a very silly advert that came out a number of years ago for Guinness beer. And in the Guinness beer advert, these three guys are drinking their Guinness in a bar or a pub or whatever. And then they suddenly start de-evolving, and and it shows them going backwards to monkeys and then backwards to... Uh, lizards and then backwards to fish and then backwards to single-celled organs, all the way back to this sort of slug this sort of slimy amoeba that comes out and sucks up something from this pool and it's that's the advert uh, and it's trying to relate drinking of Guinness to that, and that we're thirsty, and it's you know, we always have been, and we are we've been seeking Guinness beer our entire existence since we were single celled organisms. So th- this kind of idea is permeated uh, media. It's permeated science. It's permeated education. It's permeated pop culture. it's It's all over the place. and But what Darwin did is he took our focus off of our link with God, and he put our focus on our link with nature, or our link with monkeys and animals and things like that. So let me make this abundantly clear to you. In the Bible, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it describes, in Genesis chapter 1, the creation of all that we know, of what the earth is, the stars and the galaxies and all that is all stated there in Genesis chapter 1. And then at the end of chapter 1, God says, let us make man in our own image. And in the image of God, he created man, male and female, he created them. And so that verse, I think it's Genesis 1 verse 27, that verse so emphasizes the link between God and man that when you read the whole of Genesis 1 and 2, and it talks about the creation of everything else, the trees and the fish and the birds and the water and the sky and the stars and all these things, not a scrap of it is linked to God's character, God's nature, God's person. It's only until we get to the, the entity called mankind... That there is a link. Let us make man in our own image. He doesn't say, Let us make a single celled amoeba in our own image. It doesn't say that. It says, Let us make man in our own image. And in the image of God, He created them male and female. That tells us a lot. It tells us that a male and a female, when coming together and uniting together in love, actually become the fullest representation of what two people can be with God, you know as God on earth. Now, I'm not saying we are become God on earth. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, is that there's a whole institution there of a male and a female and marriage and a commitment to each other that is a reflection of what God is like in his Godhead with a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and all that. And there's a lot that could be said about this. I'm only skimming the surface. But the Bible's emphasis always, ever, is on man and his link with God as a, uh, as a being that has a mind and emotions and will and those things are invested into us by God because it says in Genesis chapter 2 that God made man out of the dust of the ground, out of the dirt. He formed man and he breathed into him the breath of life and Adam then or the man became a living soul. And so there's a breath of life that God has put into us that does not exist at that level. Everything else has life, it has bios, it has a functionality, it has an animation that God gave it certainly. But it is but the Bible does not indicate that anything else has that animation, that functioning, that life that we get that we have that comes uh, as a spark from God. In that in that way, and so that's why humans ask questions like, "Why am I here? Uh, where did I come from? What is my purpose in life? How can I find peace? Where is what is God? Is there a God? What is God doing? How does God speak to us?" Humans ask these questions. Animals don't ask these questions. They don't. We have no way that we that the animals are functioning in that. If there were no humans on the earth, the earth would just carry on as it is. It's 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 humans that go about doing the very things that God has asked us to do, which is to have dominion over the earth and subdue it. And that's exactly what has happened over the centuries and over the millennia, is that humans have subdued the earth. Just pick up a map and look at it. Every city is evidence that we are living out Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And so our link is to Godward. It is not earthward. Our link is up, it's not down. So what Darwin did is he came along and he said, well, we evolved Somehow, or or the idea of evolution now states, we have evolved from single-celled organisms. We are part of the ecosystem of the earth. So we need to understand the biology. We need to dissect uh, the genomes of the DNA of monkeys and of worms and of birds and of lizards. And we need to try to find out how we have come about. And in the introduction I read to you, you even said behaviorally. And I think that is where... We are running into all sorts of problems today. I remember when I lived in England for a couple years and I was taking the driving test. And we were driving by a school. I wasn't taking the test. I was taking lessons. I was taking lessons, driving lessons, because you have to do that in England to get a license uh, and take the test. You have to have had lessons. And so the teacher, my instructor, he was a believer, which was great. So we were able to talk and chat and things like that while we were driving. And we were driving by a school And this little group of girls was about to stop. I mean, when I say girls, they were probably 14, 15 years old. And they began to step out into the street. And I was driving by, and I had to suddenly slow down because I was about to run into them. And the girl, one of the girls kind of gave us a dirty look, like, what do you think you're doing driving by? And she wasn't in any sort of pedestrian crossing or anything like that. And my instructor's response was, was, well, what do you expect? If they teach them they come from monkeys, they're going to act like... They're going to act like that. And he just, he said that with the idea that she thinks she can just do what she wants and step out, and I'm the one at fault, and of course I am have the right to do what I want to do. And and he saw that as sort of an ongoing um, idea that, that, well, if we're taught we're from animals, and animals just do their thing, they just... Live the way they want to live and how they want to live. there's no kind of moral guide to what animals do behaviorally and this adds great um, inf- this adds great weight to the idea that well, kids should just sleep around all they want and they shouldn't just let their emotions and passions run wild because that's how animals operate. I mean, there's no other logical way to come to that conclusion and to explain how the world is going right now with the way, just pick up, the, you know, read the news. I don't have to state all this stuff. You can read the news yourself and see that there's school shootings and the violence is taking place and suicide, alcohol, drug addiction, all these things, you know, the the bullying and all this stuff that is happening among our young people. If you take God out of the equation where is the moral code where is the center where is the the foundation the structure the framework by which we can view the world we literally have nothing other than ourselves and nature and nature is cruel and cold and not the kind of lifestyle that I would want to and I don't think anybody would really want to to live out. I think if we really stripped off all of our clothes and went and lived in the woods with the monkeys, we would find it a rather depressing and useless existence. And we would probably be killed by them, for that matter, <laughs> especially if we hang out with gorillas or something like that. Um, but having said all that, the emphasis I want to make is based on the analysis of that chap's introduction to Darwin's diaries, where he says that Darwin wants us to look down At the lower orders to see how where we come from and how we should live our lives, what the scripture is saying is that God wants us to look upwards to Him because it is to God that we discover who we really are. He's the one that gives us our foundation, our compass, our way of assessing the world around us and how we should live our life. The word science means knowledge, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. understanding and knowledge and so if we take god out and if we eliminate the scriptures from our classrooms and from our schoolrooms and from our educational institutions, if we completely remove these things from courtrooms and from government, if we completely get rid of the Bible and any concept of who God is, what we will end up with is a collapsing system. It will degrade and fall into the dirt. And you do not have to look very far at countries like Russia and North Korea, where that is exactly what has happened when they've removed God from anything and everything that they're trying to do. And so... Don't look down, don't follow the Darwinism of the day, the evolution, the natural selection, all these things. Don't follow that way of living. Look up and see what it is that God is speaking to us. And when we align our life with that, then the Bible is sufficient to give us our peace and our joy and our rest and our, our strength to carry through regardless of what happens to us. And so that is an assessment of evolution and Darwinism and that. So next time we'll be looking at Karl Marx.